Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 355 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Well, another year is in the books, and we've reached episode 355 of this podcast on legal technology with an internet focus, and we're about to start year 18 of the podcast. In our last episode, we talked with Catherine Bamford of BAM Legal as part of our Fresh Voices on Legal Tech series. We highly recommend the episode if you haven't already listened to it. And in fact, we recommend the whole series of Fresh Voices, uh, which has been one of the most enjoyable things we've done this year. In this episode, it's time for our annual end of the year tradition. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be wrapping up 2023 in our traditional style. Longtime listeners will know that ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, a.k.a. PTI, with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon was one of the inspirations for this podcast. Our tradition is to use some elements of PTI for the format of this recap episode with our own unique twists and special touches. And we've got a special guest, our favorite fan of the show, Debbie Foster. Debbie, thank you for joining us on this podcast episode. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right. For those of you unfamiliar with the PTI format, we're going to have three segments. In this case, it's going to be toss-up, in which we purposely take opposite sides of a legal tech topic. Don't know how we're going to do that with three people. Uh, It'll be interesting. The next segment will be what's the word, in which we fill in the blank on a statement about a legal tech topic with a well-chosen word, or maybe sometimes words. And our own new segment, we're calling it Hot or Not, in which we categorize a legal tech topic as hot, not, or something in between. And then we're going to end with our fast response, big finish, PTI style. So to give you, Debbie and Dennis, a sneak preview of the results, as happens every year, I win every segment. Oh, come on. It's never going to end, Dennis. Never. Never going to end. Well, it never is. So you just need to just, just... Accept it. All right, so let's get started. We're going to get started by, for those of you who haven't seen Debbie on our year-end podcast, let's have Debbie introduce herself. Debbie. My name is Debbie Foster. I'm the CEO of Affinity Consulting Group, and I have been a legal technology and business consultant for 25 years, and I'm a self-proclaimed super fan of the Kennedy Mile Report. Well, Debbie, thank you very much, and good luck to you in the game. Thank you in advance for helping me to celebrate what will clearly be my big win and victory at the end. (laughs) Our first segment is called Toss Up. Uh, In Toss Up, we are all required to take a different side on each topic. We argue our positions, and at the end, uh, I I declare myself the winner of this segment. Dennis, are those rules clear? You don't get to agree with me. Uh, no, I actually do. Uh, I want to agree with you. I disagree about the rules and the results. In fact, I disagree with the whole system. But here's our first three-sided toss-up question. What was the biggest lesson we learned about legal tech in 2023? Tom. So I'm going to take an interesting position, and I'm going to say that unlike the past, 
In some areas, legal tech seems to have pivoted faster than I am used to seeing, and I will say that is purely in the area of artificial intelligence. Document assembly, been around for how many years? 40 years, 50 years, and still some most lawyers still don't even know how to use it. But just mention the word artificial intelligence, and bam, we've set up whole departments, we've set up tools, we're doing all sorts of things. We are gung-ho on artificial intelligence. And so, I, you know, I don't know if it's just the new shiny, shiny, but to me, I feel like uh, that's my biggest lesson is is that give a technology enough power, enough pizzazz, enough, I guess, potential revenue, law firms will actually pay attention to legal technology. Maybe if we could just get document automation, that sexy factor it's been missing, we could get lawyers to be doing that too. Debbie. Well, my take is similar to yours, but I think that what I've learned is over all of these years of working with software companies on features and functionality and them telling me how long everything takes, the lesson that I've learned is that products can be developed in five minutes or less, as evidenced by every few minutes, there's a brand new AI product out on the market, yet still I can't get some of those hotly requested features in some of the software that's been around a long time. A little frustrating. And Dennis? So... My big lesson is that, uh, well, first of all, I never imagined how many AI experts in law there were, because there, there are literally millions of them, it, it seems like. No, I, th I think the biggest lesson that I learned, um, and, or maybe relearned, is that in the legal world, we don't like to do the hard work. And so AI is great because it takes our attention away from the hard stuff like cybersecurity, collaboration, you know, learning the lessons from March 2020 and, and beyond. So I, I think that uh, it's partly that we're not learning from the, the other uh, adjacent professions. As, as Debbie says, we see all kinds of development happen really quickly uh, out in the, in the rest of the world and things take longer here. And I also think that once again, even with AI, uh, the legal world is still not asking customers what it is that they want or need. I have the next question. The most interesting legal tech developments are happening in the collaboration technology space, right? Debbie, you first. I'm going to start with an emphatic maybe, but I really wish it was true more broadly. I was just in a firm last week where someone was telling me that they print out their documents, they edit them, and then they scan them back in and email them back around. And I literally said, edit with a pen? Yes, edit with a pen. I wish it was happening more broadly, but the reality is people are still struggling with some of the basic features and functionality of Microsoft 365, of working in Word collaboratively. And even now when we do training and we show people that, people's mouths drop open still at the end of 2023, people are shocked by what is available. So maybe in some places it's happening, but we still are seeing so much old school collaboration that is incredibly frustrating, not just to lawyers, but to their clients. I still think that this is the place. I mean, because we have to work together more and more and clients want to work with you. They want to be on a bunch of different platforms using old technology and, and all these other issues. They want all their suppliers to work together. And, and that includes lawyers. So 
I think the lessons that I like to emphasize in this space is one, that it's incredibly important, and this is what your clients will appreciate and the other people who work with you. I always say, make it easy for people to work with you. Um, and I call this the collaboration golden rule. Uh, you know, you, you want to have people... you collaborate with you in the ways that you would like to collaborate with them. And and if you take that as your guide, I think this is going to be the most fascinating place you can possibly put your energies and money into next year. All right. So if the question had been the most basic legal tech developments are happening in the collaboration technology space, I'd probably agree with that. I think because, yeah, it's pretty basic. I mean, as Debbie described, you know, collaborating via printing out and marking things up. I thought I was going to have a pretty good story talking with a bunch of lawyers who were saying, oh, yeah, no, we don't. We prefer not to use Teams or Slack. We just love, we're just old school emailers and we just email back and forth. And, and that's just really the way to collaborate. So, I mean, I hate to say it. But we happen to think it's interesting. Go ahead and make sure you buy the Work From Home edition of Large Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies. But I'm hard-pressed to find that uh, it's that interesting. I, and Dennis, you even have changed the tagline on your X posts to say that it's the second most interesting legal tech uh, development in legal tech. So even you don't completely believe it. Um, I am sad to say that. I think it's probably this, the most important legal tech developments. I think it's the most impactful but interesting not to so many lawyers. All right, next toss-up. Debbie, you. AI has really, really arrived. No question about it. Dennis. <laughs> you know, I, I think my answer is possibly. I mean, it's, but probably not in ways that people are expecting or thinking at the moment. The reason I'm really hesitant is there's a lot of cool things happening in certain pockets, uh, but... You know, I, f I find that most lawyers are still using GPT 3.5. They're not willing to pay the $20 a month. They're using really rudimentary approaches. There are firms that are prohibiting people from using AI. The law schools still haven't decided whether they're going to let students use AI. And the law firms are hoping that new students coming in are going to be the ones who teach them how to use AI. The whole legal research area, so much money going in. I don't know how, if at all, that's going to turn out or, or work well. So I think it's sort of creeping in um, and it's captured so much attention, but uh, I'm not exactly sure in the ways that people e expect. And I'm kind of thinking that 2024 could be a year of disappointment in AI. There, I said it. Mm. All right. Then I will turn around and be the voice of hope and optimism for artificial intelligence and say that I will say that I believe that artificial intelligence has really, really arrived in one respect. And that is the chat GPT has made AI accessible to the average person, the average non-techie, the average person who doesn't really understand the basics about artificial intelligence is that now you can actually have a conversation with an artificial intelligence and have it give you useful information. I will use the most simple example that I wound up using for the past two weeks I've been doing. I'm going to freak you out briefly and say I was doing legal research, but that's not exactly right. I was, I was researching 
legal citations around uh, record-keeping requirements. And I was doing it in the chemicals area for a particular type of company. And I have no idea if this company uses beryllium or whether they use butanetazine or whatever the name of the chemical was. And I used ChatGPT4 to say, is this chemical used typically in the high-tech industry? Which if I asked Google that question, I would get terrible, terrible results. And instead, ChatGPT gave me accessible, I am believing, accurate results from the fact-checking that I did on it, and it made it easy for me to have a conversation with it. I could ask it a follow-up question, and to me, it, it made that work actually enjoyable. I enjoyed doing that work. I think that making it easier to work with AI is what's going to help it to arrive for the general public. Were you using the paid version, though, Tom? I was, yes. I was using ChatGPT4, the most recent one. So for me, I was... Thinking about my answer to this question, and I don't know if this is exactly the right analogy, but I'm thinking about AI like it's like an active tornado. It's hard for us to really assess what the practical results are going to be until it passes. And I'm also wondering what are the tools that are going to be widely adopted? How are the thought leaders or the average people or the authorities, the bar associations, how are they going to muck it up for people? Just reading some opinions last week from, I think, California and Florida have opinions now about how you can bill when you use AI. And I think it's just going to add to the confusion that already exists. Everybody still talks about that New York case where someone cited ChatGPT. And I, I just, I think there's still a lot to come. We're going to learn a lot more as the tornado continues to blow past us. And the dust settles a little bit on what's really going to be practical for people to use. And quite frankly, what lawyers aren't going to be afraid to use. Yeah, I mean, I think those California guidelines, practical guidelines, they call them, are super vague. And they're going to deter people. I, th I think mm -hmm. that the regulators are throwing a wet blanket on the most innovative AI approaches. That's why I'm a, a little, I was a little bit uh, more pessimistic than you sometimes hear me uh, in the, the other answer. But let's go to the uh, last toss-up. If you were to sum up your thoughts on 2023 in legal tech, where and how would you do that? A Substack newsletter, YouTube video, Instagram, LinkedIn, GPT, prompt, TikTok, Discord server, NFT, podcast, something else. And I might have left off something to set you up, Tom. Well, you left off blog, which sort of surprised me. I think you threw in NFT to trigger me. I think that was <laughs> to trigger me because, oh my gosh. Does anybody do NFTs anymore? I mean, what are those things? I just, I, they were so 2023 or the beginning of 2023 that I don't think anybody knows about them. But I think, and in, to, not to steal your thunder, I mean, I, I think it's hard to choose between one of these because our method, Dennis, you and I method has always been very similar, which is to have a home base and to publish out and radiate outwards those types of things to bring people back to the home base. I will admit I have been lacking on the communication side. What I've noticed is not on here is a micro blogging site such as X or Blue Sky or 
threads, um, and maybe that's intentional because it's hard to know what to put in there, but I've been very absent from it. I would say that if I had the time and the energy to do it, I would fire up my Substack newsletter, one, because those are very popular. I would learn better how to make videos, but I'm watching some TikTok videos and I just don't understand how easy it is for some people to put things together that look so popular. Those would be my two, probably my favorite ways of doing it, but I'm not going to rule any of them out. Debbie. I will rule them all out and say LinkedIn because pretty much that's the only place I go anymore. I've I've just wound it down to LinkedIn and Instagram personally. But if I'm going to write my thoughts about 2023, I can't go to all of those other places. It's my brain. I'm I'm out of room up here. LinkedIn's LinkedIn, it for me. LinkedIn's a solid choice. It's a solid choice. There's a part of me that says, oh, just a little bit here, a little bit there, but I'm I'm starting to focus and and it's LinkedIn, my blog, maybe uh, you know a mighty networks community idea that I'm working on. Uh, definitely this podcast, maybe even this podcast episode to be precise. But I think those are the things, or maybe even like some sort of free ebook sort of thing. There's a number of approaches, but I think LinkedIn is, uh, in my blog, are going to be the places I stay. It's just appalling to me what uh, Elon did to Twitter and uh, in essentially destroying its usefulness this year. And that is it for Toss Up. And as everyone expected, and as I predicted, I easily won. Hardly. I don't think uh, you your, your answers were terrible, Tom. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to my next win, uh, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's Legal Translation Service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that, and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages, the Spanish group translates in over 140 languages. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C. And get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And we're back. Tom, what will you be rigging the judging on next? Dennis, the answer to that question is, what's the word? In this segment, we're going to have a sentence about a legal tech topic with a blank in it. Each of us has to come up with a best word or words to fill in the blank. Dennis, what's our first sentence? Our first sentence is, the one thing that should be at the top of every lawyer's must-learn list is blank. Well, I was thinking about using the one that Dennis is going to give, but, I, but since he got it into the script first, I, I changed it. And so I'm going to say that on the top of every lawyer's must-learn list should be prompt creation because it's kind of at the top of my list. Being able to 
write a good prompt is really the key to getting good information out of ChatGPT or other artificial intelligence tools. And when I talked earlier about just asking a simple question, which is beryllium used in chip manufacturing, that's a such a basic uh, way to ask it. And I admit that when I see the way that some prompts have been engineered in order to craft the best possible response, I am terrified at how much creativity it takes to do that and how much thinking that I just don't have time to do. And so that's one of the things that's at the top of my list. I think that to get the most out of these tools, we have to know, you know, instead of garbage in, garbage out, we want to make sure that we we are uh, improving the results of what we do and uh, helping to improve the quality of the output that we get from these tools. Debbie. So I'm going in a little bit of a different direction here. And I think that what should be at the top of every lawyer's must learn list is how to unlearn things, Mm. right? Like, I think that there are some obstacles in the average lawyer's way of learning things. And one of them is just the familiarity of how they've always operated, whether that be collaboration or how they get their time in or how they converse and keep things up to date with their clients or the spreadsheet that they use to track their deadlines or whatever it is. And I think that lawyers would benefit from a conscious effort of learning how to unlearn and deciding what things they should unlearn. Where should they start? The things that maybe are harder than they need to be. And I think that there's a lot of bang for your buck in unlearning. Dennis, what about you? Getting all philosophical on us and everything. Wow. You know, I, so I have two quick comments. One, Debbie, I think we should just do a whole podcast on on learning. I think that would be awesome. Second thing is, I love the way both of you ignored the rules for this game and gave multiple <laughs> word answers. So I am going to follow the rules in a desperate attempt to try to win this segment away from Tom and say As cybersecurity. This is like blocking and tackling. No, your you word is up. Get your word, it's up. You said one it, word. You got to get this right. This is more important than ever, more security risks than ever. There's cyber warfare going on. There's ransomware like crazy. All this stuff is happening and the legal world just seems oblivious to it. Like it somehow won't touch them. Number one at the top of the list. Tom? All right. Our next sentence is the one technology tool all lawyers should be using more of is Debbie. So I almost went back to try to find our script from last year because I really wanted to resist the urge to say what I always say, which is, can they please just learn how to use Word and Outlook? Everything would be better if they just learned how to use Word and Outlook. Say it again. Say it again. Uh, Say it again. Use Word, use Outlook. But instead, I'm going to say, it doesn't even matter what program it is. What you already have is so powerful. Whether you're using a practice management tool or it could be even Word and Outlook, There are so many features that are available to you for free right in front of you. And there's so many resources to learn how to use those things. What they should be doing more of is paying attention to what they have and really figuring out how to leverage what they've already purchased. So your word is what you already have. That's yes, the word. That is my okay. that is my one word. What you already hyphenated. Have. I'm also using a hyphenated word, Debbie. Mine is online payments. Mm. Um, there is no reason for the legal world to be 
the last profession to use paper checks, but I we're headed that way. And online payments in terms of uh, speed of getting paid and make it easy for clients to pay you, everything is positive. We learned so much since March of 2020. This is the one thing that should stick with us. And uh, if I, you know, I still run into firms that don't give you a way to pay online. It's, it's incredible to me. All right, my word, my single word is collaboration tools and using less email. All right, it's easy to say collaboration tools. I'm gonna be specific. I am a huge believer. We are, my consultants, we use such little email in talking to ourselves and in working on projects that it is astounding to me how little we use email. I literally only use email with the, administrative parts of the office who don't want to collaborate. They just want to send email. But the consultants, we have a very tightly organized and well-run by just using chat and other different areas, primarily in Microsoft Teams. But I'm not just going to say use Microsoft Teams. I'm going to say use a tool that brings you away from email. Use something that gets you further away from email and into other areas where you can just stay away from that because there is not one tool, in my opinion, that makes it harder for you to get your real job done as a lawyer as it is email. It may be your filing cabinet. It may be all your source of truth, but it is a terrible time suck for you and you should run away from it as fast as you can. All right, Debbie, next question. The next, next question. Sentence. The next, the next sentence is the experience of a new law school graduate and law students starting work in law firms can best be described as Dennis. Befuddling. And I, I'm just going to ask one simple question here. How many lawyers listening to this podcast are actually embarrassed by the technology their firms make them use today? I rest my mm -hmm. case. Wow, that was short and sweet, Dennis. I wasn't even ready to start with mine yet. Uh, so my word is, I only have one word for this, and that is typical. And I'm going to say that it's typical because of the experiences I have with corporate law departments. Now, corporate law departments benefit from the technology innovation of the company as a whole oftentimes, but many of them, a lot of the ones that I work with, still operate like very old-fashioned law firms. And uh, every single one of them is, we really got to get a contract management system. And it, and, and, and it's like they, they've been talking about that as long as law firms have been talking about document automation. So I would say, you know, it doesn't really matter where new law graduates go into work. I think the experience is going to be the same wherever they happen to go these days, unfortunately. Debbie. So my word is chaotic. I think that lawyers and law firms generally have not figured out how to get onboarding right. If for the most part. And so a new lawyer shows up in a law firm even if they're showing up as a law clerk in a law firm and they're like, here's your desk, here's how you log in. They might get the drink from a fire hose, you know, 24 straight hours, eight at a time of training, and then they're left to their own devices. And I just don't think that we've evolved with the different kinds of learning styles and the way that people thinking about how people absorb information and I don't think that information is as readily available to these people. You think about the old school intranets or a learning management system that really makes sense where people can find the answers that they're looking for. And then add to that how busy everyone is. And then add to that, that these new lawyers are often expected to work in the office and the other lawyers aren't in the office and the paralegals are only in the office two days a week. 
And I think it's just really chaotic and it's really hard to get integrated into the culture. And I think there's some, some amazing work that could be done there for new lawyers starting out at a firm. That is a great word and a great answer, but we're at the end of What's the Word, and unfortunately for you and Dennis, I have racked up another Tomtastic victory. Thank you so much. <laughs> he makes up words, too. It's a, it, but words. It, and, words. And, yet it, and yet it's accurate. What's All the right. words, Tom? No time for comments. We're going to move on to our final segment, but before we do that, we need to take another quick break for a message from our sponsors. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, along with our special guest, Debbie Foster. I'm not really sure about the judging on this show. Tom is acting like the referees at a Dallas Cowboys home game. Hey, all those plays came down the way that they needed to be judged, okay? It is time for our new segment. Our new segment is called Hot or Not. I guess I'm going to fire the first topic. That first topic is generative AI, hot or not. Debbie. I'm going hot for some and mysterious for many others. Dennis. You know, I think talking about it is solar flare hot. Doing things much less hot, finding lawyers willing to pay $20 a month to go up to the premium version that is markedly better. That's even, even less, less hot. So it's a mix, but man, people love to talk about it. I'm going to say I, I also have sort of a split answer to, which is I think I'm going to I'm going to rely back on my earlier word of accessibility that because it's accessible now, to me, that makes it hot, hot, hot. But I also think there's an element to generative AI that's a little bit like trying to feel heat from the Yule log on your TV. It's just it's fake and it's not really exactly there. So it's just kind of a, a an illusion of heat uh, that may or may not be there. So a little bit of both. All right. What's our next hot or not, Debbie? Access to justice technologies, Dennis. You know, it's not as hot as I like. But it is heating up, and I think this is the single most interesting area for generative AI. And I've talked to judges. I've talked to people in the legal services area. I've uh, been uh, looking at it in rural access to justice. I think there's some fantastic opportunities there. And I think we're just going to see more of it as the venture capital money gets disappointed with some of the money they're putting into more software for lawyers who are unwilling to use the software that they have. All right. I'm going to say that access to justice technologies is perennially warm. We have this same question every year during this podcast, and the answer is never different. We always are saying, Dennis, I think your answer is always the same. It's not as hot as I like, but it's heating up and it continues to heat 
but it's not getting where it needs to be. I really want it to be better. I'm hoping that generative AI is a little bit of the boost that it needs. I, I, I hope that's happening, but I still just think it is simmering and I want it to be hotter than it is. Debbie. I feel exactly the same way. And I think that AI is going to be a distraction from solving the access to justice problem before it is a solution to that. For me, I hear lots of people talking about it. I don't see a lot of people doing a lot about it. You know, I don't want to be the glass house, throw the stone person. There's work to be done across the industry, no doubt about it. But I'm pessimistic about AI solving that problem anytime soon. And our last one, increasing law firm technology budgets other than for AI. Well, I would say that if AI is the bright side of the moon, then increasing budgets is dark side of the moon cold. Obviously, I don't work with law firms as often as Debbie does, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I just, like I said before, I think that the shiny shiny is getting the money these days and not so much standard, more effective technologies. Debbie, am I wrong about that? No, I think you're right about it. I think that we are definitely seeing people talking about spending more money and you have to spend more and you have to do more and you have to learn more. And I think there are more people who recognize, especially with AI on the scene, that standing still just gets you further behind. They've got to make some decisions. You, there, you have to spend some money. There is no way to get there for free. It just, it can't be done. Dennis. I'm going to call it glacier reversing cold. I just don't see the money being put into things. I mean, I think there's more likelihood of, of layoffs. You've added, you've seen associate salary increases. You've seen all this other stuff going on in an economy and in a world situation is so difficult to predict. I think it's going to be easy for people to cut tech budgets and stay pat another year. All right. I think we're done with that segment. And this just in, I won again. And that's hot. <laughs> all right. We're moving on. We're moving on to the big finish where there are no winners. We're all winners in this next segment. We're going to do some six questions in 60 seconds. Debbie, here's number one for you. Debbie, your best tech decision of 2023. I love my new podcasting equipment, my microphone, my little focus right box. I, I love my new podcasting equipment. Yay. Dennis, this one's for you. Your favorite new tech tool. It's the paid version of ChatGPT. Look at the numbers on what version of ChatGPT, 3.5, got a score of about 10% on the bar, and what version, GPT-4, passed the bar, $20 a month. I just cannot believe the number of lawyers who are willing to talk about AI but not willing to put out $20 a month. Tom. Best new Google or Microsoft product or service? So I'm cheating a little bit, and I'm gonna, I want to actually preview a product. I, and I'm not going to talk about Microsoft's Copilot, although I'm really looking forward to using it. I think it's going to change the way we use Microsoft 365. But instead, I'm going to focus on changes coming to Microsoft Planner. They are finally doing what I think is the right thing, and they're combining all of the five bazillion task and to-do apps that they have into Planner. And they're also combining Microsoft Project into Planner as well. And I'm very intrigued about how all of that works because I've been looking for something better in Microsoft to deal with it. I hope that that works. So Microsoft Planner out sometime, I hope, in Q1 of 2024. All right, Debbie, what tech do you most want your law firm clients to explore in 2024? 
So sorry. This is the more things change, the more they stay the same. I want our clients to start depending on technology as their first choice for how to get work done. And I don't think that happens enough. I think that there is a tendency to depend on people. There is a tendency to depend on the old ways. And I want our clients to be thinking tech tools first. How can I solve this problem with technology instead of just with a process or with a way that I've always done something? Dennis, the best new tech that you saw in 2023 that people will be talking about in 2023 and 2024. You know, I think it's um, it's generative AI, but in super targeted use cases. And so I have some examples. I wrote a white paper on uh, what I call the guided advisory layer approach in using uh, generative AI. It's one example. I love what the American Arbitration Association is doing with their AI lab in very targeted use cases. I love what ClearBrief is doing, very targeted use case of AI. Um, and, I, and I love what uh, NetDocuments is doing. It's super targeted use cases in AI with summarization and other things like that. And then, Debbie, when you were talking about the training issue, which my students talk about all the time, is if you just had like a basic generative AI approach for training that people could get the answers to the questions about you know common technology issues and, and simplified training, it'd be amazing. Tom, last one. Your best tip overall for this year. So you mean other than buy the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies Work From Home Edition and listen to all the editions of our podcast this year? My tip actually is a throwback to a tip I gave in an earlier podcast, which is take advantage of the Readwise set of tools, whether you're using the Readwise daily uh, reminders or you're using the Readwise reader. I love that tool. I'm using it as my Read It Later app now. Um, it has a um, artificial intelligence, which will help summarize. You can ask questions of articles. It'll help summarize things for you. It really is a great tool for keeping the knowledge that you have, and, and you can share it with your second brain if you want to, or you can store it there. Just a great overall tool. And uh, the reader is free. The other tool is $8.99 a month. Good price and a good tip. So that was 2023, a year that in some ways uh, felt like a year of dramatic movement, but upon reflection, maybe less than we thought. But as we went through this podcast, maybe maybe more than, than I was thinking when, when we started this uh, podcast. So we're all cautiously ready to move on to 2024 with a bunch of great new topics and ideas to share with you and some more of our fresh voices on, on legal tech interviews. Thank you, Debbie, for joining us. And Debbie, tell people how best to reach you. LinkedIn's probably the easiest. If you just search for me on LinkedIn, Debbie Foster, it should be your first option. And I'd love to connect with you. Thanks for having me, guys. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report and our last episode of 2023. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page. You can find all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts on the Legal Talk Network website. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We love getting your questions for our B segment. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. 
And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. As always, a big thank you to the Legal Talk Network team for producing and distributing this podcast. I believe this episode is going to air before the end of 2023, so Happy New Year to all. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.